That's funny because I I was just like, yeah. Anyways, welcome back. How's it going today? Good. How are you doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. Happy to be firing up some weed and uh, talking more Illinois cannabis with you. Um, it's always a good time. So, were you uh were you in Springfield today? No, no. Was that just um, an old picture I saw on social media? Yeah, recently went to Springfield here. I'll have to pull that up. And uh, I was to say, I I went there like uh, at the start of the pandemic. I like took like a weekend trip there with a friend. I actually had like a great time. <laughs> yeah, it it was really fun. So I went to the Abraham Lincoln Museum, which I'm realizing is somewhere else on social media. I was going to post some funny pictures that I uh, <clears throat> took um, or share some f- funny pictures that I took. But yeah, recently went to Springfield and had a really good time going to the Abraham Lincoln Museum and everything Lincoln else. Museum. You can get some corn, some good corn dogs, a cozy dog. Yeah, here's a picture for the folks that are watching right now. <laughs> um, I was in Abraham Lincoln's house getting 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 baked. Um, that museum is that museum is cool it's worth a day trip yeah if you've not been to the abraham lincoln museum folks it is awesome it's in springfield and uh it's it's a really good time so um and if you're not watching the video version of the podcast that's chillinois.net slash video um it's great that we've got the video podcast now because i wanted to share some things that have come across this desk of mine and my desk isn't very impressive, by the way. I'm literally, you know, it's funny. Whenever I do these interviews, I'm just using like this like makeshift card table. That's why if I like ever touch the desk, you see I'm like shaking right now. Anyways, <laughs> um, so this recently came across my desk. Some bills that we've been talking about, the Illinois Cure Act, several cannabis bills. Uh, there's going to be a, a public hearing on the 1st. Today's the 26th, by the way. Um, the hearings at 10 a.m. It's in Springfield, Illinois. Speaking of Springfield, Illinois, I think it might be cool to return uh, for something like this. And if not, uh, I at least plan to form some witness slips or submit some witness slips. So that's <clears throat> something that I wanted to talk about today. But yeah, what do you what do you think about this? Uh, what are the craft grow bills there? HB 25. I wonder if I can see. Hmm. I'd I'll, I'd have to look it up on uh, the. I imagine one is like the canopy size increase. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I'd I'd have to take a look really I was just quick. Curious but, what the what the other one would be. But um, it's just my here's my thought while I look that up. Um, hold on a second here while I look that up. Um, my thought is like. You know, it's great we're talking about it now so people know about it, but I really wish more like and I know this happens all the time. I know this is nothing new, but like I wish like there was a little bit more of a public awareness campaign like, hey, this is going on. Bring your feedback, you know, stuff like that. But that these laws are like out there, like that these bills are out there being proposed. Right. Well, and then there's these committee, you know, like the public is allowed to go to these things like and they they should, you know, Um, but but the fact like and I'm they're not saying spring, they're in Springfield though, right? They are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they are. But what I, and I guess I'm, you know, like I'm making a point that is, is admittedly a little bit weak because basically what I'm saying is like, why don't they announce these things? And I'm literally sharing my screen where the announcement. Well, right. Is, right. Yeah. So 
but I'm just saying, like, you know, you'd think that on behalf of the, you know, there's a lot of elected representatives that claim to be like the person for the cannabis community, right? You'd think like those types of people would be like, hey, cannabis community. They don't really, yeah, they don't seem to really engage mm-hmm. in that way about, I don't know if it's really like, because they, I mean, are are they really looking for like popular support for these things or is it just more about like maneuvering and negotiating like in the you know congress <laughs> right right Let's like see. it's such a low priority you know like how many people are actually going to be calling people about cannabis stuff mm-hmm. so house bill 31 Okay, House Bill 25. This is how you look this stuff up, folks, if you're watching the video version, by the way. Go to ILGA.gov, and it's a little bit of a archaic Craigslist-esque looking website. Um, but uh, So this is the first one that looks like – this has to do with licenses. I don't – it raises the maximum number of craft licenses for specified craft growers, which I don't know exactly what that means to three rather than one, six rather than two, 10 rather than three. And it also removes language prohibiting craft growers from being located within 1500 feet of each other. There's a lot of these bills that seem to like slightly touch on the same things. It's like, I I don't know about you, what you think about this, but like, I feel like it's like, Hey, if this doesn't work out, maybe we go to this one (laughs) type of thing. Um, I don't know. I'm new to this. So I'm just trying to share what I learn, but well, and this is like the start of a new, you know, because like every two years they have like a different house. So true. Yeah. The, these like things being proposed now are like the start of the things that they will eventually become. So like, you know, some of these things might be combined and edited, I would assume. Mm-hmm. That's like, what was it you were saying? Like Evan Bruno said there was like something he was proposing and he was like proposing a more conservative version and like an ideal version yeah so you know so so it's kind of like that yeah so from what i just for folks that are listening and maybe wondering like it sounds like evan was uh involved in drafting the language for the one the bill that we talked about in episode i'll get that number in just a moment it's with evan bruno you should check it out it's uh gonna be available everywhere soon Uh, but right now it's at chillinoy.net slash patreon we talked about a bill that he helped to to draft um, language for, which removes the odor-proof language from the vehicle code of Illinois. Now, I asked him about another bill, and it removes, like, basically everything to do with odor. It says, like, the, the smell of raw cannabis is not reason for search. The smell of burnt cannabis is not. That's the way I got the impression I got. And I asked him about that, and he basically said that, yeah, his would seem like it would have a better chance of passing given the attitudes of law enforcement of Illinois. And if you're curious about the attitudes of law enforcement of Illinois, that's a great episode to check out because he talks about their attitudes, right, and how they... Well, it's interesting, though, too, because I sent you that video the other day of that cop who I assume is from, like... East St. Louis. Mm -hmm. So like the Illinois side of the St. Louis area. But he was saying that, you know, in their area, they operate under the idea that this, even the smell of burnt weed in the car is not probable cause for a search. Yeah. 
That was so interesting to hear. I was it might, it might be for like, the, like if they think it's the driver and you mm-hmm. seem like you're like impaired. I mean, I'm sure they would use that as probable cause then. Like if you smelled alcohol coming out of a car and someone seemed impaired. Um, right. But yeah, like just the idea that the smell of burnt weed wouldn't be a reason to like pull everyone out of the car and search them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was about to pull that um, video up. Um, but that's, that's, was a strange thing to see come out because typically like what you and I have seen, especially post legalization was that cops seemed to be misinforming people, right? They were like saying things that weren't even in the language. Well, but that they wrote the law in Illinois, that smell would still be probable cause. That's Mm -hmm. why it said odor proof container. So then when you had a court, I mean, I think there were, weren't there like two different court decisions that said about smell? Like one was for raw and one was for burnt, maybe something like yeah, that. Yeah, I think but so. I didn't think like cops would just be honoring that. Right. <laughs> I, thought, I thought they'd still be trying to like, you know, ruin your life and make you figure that out later how to fight that. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I was about to share that video, but what what I'm going to do is I'm going to throw it into the podcast description because I don't want to get too too far off, um, you know, topic here. But um, so, folks, if you want to see the video we're talking about with regard to uh, a police officer saying, you know, they don't search for those reasons, anyways, in that county. Um, yeah, like pay attention to where that is because it's definitely not true for the whole of Illinois. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. So I was just about to look at this other uh, bill. I'll share my screen again. Once again, folks, if you're not watching, it's chillinois.net slash video. Um, Oh, this one, I believe, yeah, uh, requires the Department of Ag to issue an additional additional licenses, right? Because I believe we've hit the statutory limit for most licenses. Well, Well, I think there might be one more lottery for either dispensaries or craft grow or both, but but after that it's done if i'm not mistaken um well is this to increase the number or just to like make them release them uh it says issue that's a good question i guess i shouldn't weigh because remember before they did that whole thing where it was like they you know like lashawn ford got that law through to like increase to have like another 110 licenses released, but it, it wasn't like an increase in the license. The, the 500 cap was still there. It was just like mandating their, you know, sooner release or a new timetable mm, for them. Or okay. Something. So, yeah. So that is possible. That is possible. Definitely folks. I mean, well, this is the thing, check it out here. And this is the other what place you can see it folks. There's this, this is going to be on the hearing on March 1st. And so, I don't I don't know exactly how these work. I don't Is get that a stuff sense virtual. I don't know. Like do they do they have it online? I don't It doesn't seem like it does. Um you can file and this is the point I wanted to make today is that if you can't make it today you can file witness slips for or against. Now personally I am I will say I'm not against like specifically any of these laws, but what I will say is the issue I have with all of these laws that are cannabis related 
that they do. My my issue is they don't address any of what I feel are the substantive issues with the Cannabis Regulation and Tax Act. Like this is addressing issues with regard to licensees, and that's okay. I'm not saying that we can't do that. I'm just saying because of the spirit of what this was supposed to be about, you would think that priority number one would be making sure that people don't continue to go to jail for cannabis or or at least deal with it at all in a criminal context. Well, and I think like we talked about, we were going to talk about that article about that working group that they have mm-hmm. in the house that they're putting together. Got that pulled up, I think if, if you like read through that article, you can kind of see where like their head is at in Springfield. Like it isn't really about, Give us, I want to hear your take on this. I, I've got the article pulled up. I just feel like it, like just read through it. Sure. Illinois house Democrats announced the formation of a cannabis working group Thursday that will aim to steer the burgeoning industry's expansion in a business friendly way while still satisfying the equity goals of the landmark 2019 legalization law. There it is. Now just that there, like what, so what, were the equity goals of the original law? Was it to establish a diverse regulated market or was it to stop disproportionately arresting people for cannabis crimes? That's a really good question. And I'm because one of those were not pursuing further progress on. (laughs) Yeah. So it's great to try to diversify this like bullshit oligopoly we have here, but you know, like real social equity is not arresting people nine or 10 times more for cannabis because they're minorities. Right. I'd say real social equity is allowing law enforcement to focus on violent and property crimes, you know? Right. Um, And, and by the way, that's language, the first sentence from the cannabis regulation and tax act. Um, they said, and I mean, I saw, I saw like a tweet. It was some reporter. I don't know where I found this, but I was just Googling like, or searching Twitter, like Illinois cannabis and things. And it was like this federal judge in court, some guy was being called up and it was like, Oh, blah, 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 a cannabis offense. And he was like, another cannabis offense. He's like, got a lot of these today. So it's like they're still like clogging up the system. And so check like... this out. This is fun. This is what I think this is maybe what you thought I would step on a little landmine here. The groups, the working group's main priority, according to LaShawn Ford, is to make sure individuals who have invested in the newly created industry are successful. Got to make sure that, you know, they succeed. Right. A part of that is to address the disproportionate impact the war on drugs had on communities of color particularly when it comes to cannabis-related arrests. Hey, here's an idea. Maybe we stop cannabis-related arrests. Well, and the state is really <laughs> like, I don't know, man. It's weird because the state has put themselves in such a weird position to have made, like, to have made this idea of this, like, like you're going to have a bunch of this, I don't know how to say this. It's like, you pitch that people should get into this industry because you want to diversify it and like make them give them generational wealth. Like the state is telling you apply for these cannabis licenses. We're going to have these businesses be generational wealth for you. But like 
to have a good market, you have to have it be competitive and run a lot of those people out of business and have them lose their money. <laughs> so like, they're like, I see what he's saying. Like, cause you've told people to like, get you're like, Hey, we want to repair the harm, give people new opportunities, give them generational wealth. But it, yeah, it's like at the same time, now you're like, like the way to do that then is to just bend over backwards and give them everything they want. And you know, it's just like a weird position to be in. It seems. Yeah. Yeah. Like it would have been like if the license caps weren't there and it was just like some kind of like real financial help and you're just putting people out there with this financial help. So they're less on the hook if they do go out of business, like that would probably be like a better <laughs> mm -hmm. a little bit of a better approach and your hands would maybe seem a little cleaner like you're not trying to stack the deck in favor of whoever you know got lucky enough to win those lotteries right yeah i just i can't get past the fact that the cycle that we're complaining about the cycle that we're trying to give people a leg up on we're refusing to stop that cycle well and i love when they cite this number all the time about the expungements yeah it's not like no one that was arrested in illinois for selling a bunch of weed is gonna get a license because they still have a charge on their record most likely and might still be in jail like those, right those things weren't up for expungement anyway so yeah like the only thing they, these expungements are just for like those low level less than an ounce like right. you could petition, I think, if it was more than that, but there was no guarantee you were going to get it. So in short, what you just said is basically the folks that, I mean, held the legacy market. You know, we always talk about the legacy market and everybody talks about how great it is. And I, I agree with that. But the way that you just described that and the way that it all worked out meant that those folks were prevented from pr participating in this at all. <laughs> It's crazy. Well, it's, it's interesting, too, because from like a government point of view, like, do you really want those people in the but, market? But that's I mean, they're kind of <laughs> I don't know because they were you. they were criminals. Right. <laughs> right. But do you recall? Am I just wrong? Was this anecdotal for me? But like, I swear to God that part of the legalization pitch and maybe it was just one of my the people in my smoke circle that pitched this. Maybe it wasn't somebody in the state. But I swear that when we like when the first idea of social equity came around, it was the idea that your plug was going to have like the option to get a license like and it wasn't exactly like that. It's not like just any plug. It was still like in the idea of social equity. But like, I don't know, you know, like it. it well, I think even just like, yeah. Did you did you well, have like, that experience, though? Well, from. I don't know if I had that experience, but that would have been my interpretation just from the way they talked about it. Right. Like, That's the, like repairing the harm of the war on drugs, like giving people new opportunities. It's, you know, like, yeah, I guess my interpretation, yeah, would have been like, oh, well, you know, someone who would have gotten in trouble as a legacy operator would have the opportunity to get into this market. Mm-hmm. But I think if you have a felony, like you couldn't get a license, right? Right, right. And that kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier, where it's like 
they specifically were prevented from <laughs> from participating in the market. So it's like, well, and you had to be a veteran too, right? Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, over thirty cannabis bills, as this article is saying, which by the way, we'll put it in the show notes as well if you'd like to read it for yourself. Over 30 cannabis-related bills have already been filed in the current General Assembly, which began in January. And it only – well, okay. I, I Yeah, I think I do recall um, a bill that touches on expungement, but that's like the only thing – like there are very few things that aren't – let me put it this way. There are very few things that aren't industry-related proposals. Would you agree with that? Well, yeah, and I, yeah, not I mean, like consumer centered. Yeah, and if we keep reading, they'll talk about the Cannabis Business Association. Oh, lovely. Um, which, by the way, we just uh, dropped an interview with uh, Portia Mittens, who's on the Cannabis Business Association of Illinois. Um, yeah, so one of the involved organizations is the Cannabis Business Association of Illinois, a statewide trade association for cannabis businesses. The association's legislative priorities include re-implementing curbside pickup and drive-through services after pandemic-era measures expired, decoupling Illinois cannabis tax code from the federal tax code, what some people know as 280E, I believe, and extending the right to work in the medical cannabis industry for those who have previous cannabis related convictions. Okay. That's one. Yeah. I've heard because apparently you can't work in a medical dispensary if you're a felon. Yeah. So like, you know, they're going to change it. So it'd be like the same between the two because you can work in a rec dispensary, I guess. Interesting. Yeah, that's what Pamela Altoff is saying. Currently, the recreational statute allows individuals with previous drug convictions to gain access to the cannabis industry. That is prohibited in the compassionate and medical statute. We'd like to see them both mirrored. I think that makes sense, I suppose. Um, Cannabis Equity Illinois Coalition has their own priorities, including expanding support for the craft grow industry creating a singular cannabis oversight commission to streamline cannabis programs and creating licenses for clubs and lounges. So people other than homeowners are able to legally consume cannabis. That one's a neat one. I've heard it. that popped up, I think in the last legislative session and didn't really go anywhere. I think, I guess that'll be cool. It, before I ask my question, do you got any thoughts on anything that was just uh, mentioned? Go up. Sure. Just one more. Yeah. Oh, these ones. Yeah. They'll work with other lawmakers, state agencies. Yeah, it's just it's just interesting because like nowhere in this whole nowhere in this like it's not like an expansive article, but there's just no talk of patients or consumers. Mm. I mean, there's yeah. a little bit like medical reciprocity for other states great for you know all those missourians that are dying to buy medical cannabis in illinois now yeah um, and i mean this article mentions that cannabis business association of illinois is involved not only are they involved but i think you found well we've we've already well detailed i immediately it. just recognize these names from talking about 
who the Cannabis Business Association has, has contributed to just themselves. So it's like Bob Morgan, obviously, Sonia Harper's taken money from them. Bob Reed has taken money from them. Barbara Hernandez has taken money from them. Marcus Evans has taken money from them. LaShawn Ford has taken money from them. The only one I couldn't find was this Jennifer Gong Gershwitz. Mm. And then like, you know, they also like Barbara, just briefly looking earlier today, like Barbara Hernandez has taken money from Pharmacan and Verano, you know, and obviously we've looked at LaShawn Ford and I think Bob Rita has taken like contributions from individual companies too. So it's like, it's a group that's, you know, funded by cannabis companies. Right. And just for folks <laughs> working are, with a cannabis business association to help us craft cannabis policy for Illinois. For folks that are curious and want to learn more about everything you just mentioned, uh, check out episode number 232 of the podcast. I think that's a good spot. And if you're watching the video version, you may have seen me hold up this document. This is the latest revision, Philip. It's sitting at 48 pages. Uh, we're almost up to the modern day. Um, so folks, if you want to see citations and if you want to see how you can trace the money that we're talking about, check out episode 232. Philip will show you how to do that in that episode. Um, <laughs> whoops, I didn't mean to end my screen share here. Um, I wanted to ask you, thank you for pointing that out. That is a brilliant point. There's not one mention of, you know, consumers or patients being really consulted. Uh, well, it's just funny because they have like they have that medical cannabis working group that like I've joined for a couple times. I know you've been on it a bunch. Um, you know, like why, why isn't that part of this? <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, and I mean, my question is it, the singular cannabis oversight commission we were talking about before we got on air, like one, what is it? One plant, one agency. Like I've always thought that sounds nice. And you said that you said that I think on quote before the show, it sounds nice. It's a catchy slogan, but then we were talking about like, what does that actually mean? Well, and they had the criteria. We were sharing that, weren't we about what they were like going to propose or what they potentially were thinking about proposing as like qualifications to like sit on. I can't remember like that panel. I can't remember or that agency. Um, yeah, that specifically, I can't remember, but I'd love to dig back into that. Do you, did we just like pull up the law or something like that? I, I can't remember. No, <laughs> it's all good. We smoke too much weed. My, my, my question though, is like, what really does this change? So they say from having 13 plus state agencies who are not talking to each other, like why the fuck aren't they talking to each other? That's the first question. I can, I can call, like we, I talked to you. That's how we set this up. Right. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like well, it wasn't part of it that you talked about with like that guy, David Lakeman, that like, they didn't really get money. Like, weren't they kind of like, you know, they're all included in this new industry, but it's like, they didn't have like extra funding and like. Staff. Yeah. I think I recall something like that. Yeah. They've got a small staff and such. Yeah. So it's just, yeah, it's like they were kind of saddled with extra work and just kind of like given the same resources. Right. But, but to, yeah, say you, that, to say that they're not talking to each other, it's like, all right, let's figure that out. I don't know. Like, what the, you know what I mean? Like, I don't well, know. Why that, we it have probably, to takes, new it probably takes time, right? Like, sure. You got to figure out how to work with other people in this new thing. Well, and that's. But, yeah. I always imagined that like that would be a hard Well, I guess no, because maybe they'd be they'd want to give it up. 
if it's if it's more work and they weren't given more resources, maybe they'd be like, yeah, let's have a new agency that takes this. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Um, it's but just... if it was if it was a boon to them, like if they were getting more funding because they were like on cannabis now, like I could also see that being like something they wouldn't want to give up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's where I guess I could see it being a thing where it's like if, if they need more money, if they need more people and statutorily they just don't have that, I I guess then maybe this can address it. Just to me, it sounds like maybe I'm oversimplifying things. I don't work there. I don't know what the fuck's going on. Well, it's um, funny too, like who regulates hemp in the state? Is that just the Department of Agriculture? I got the sense that it was. I mean, he literally told me, he's like, Cole, if you submit a hemp application if you would have this morning you would have been walking out with it this afternoon you know well you just wonder because it's like you know it's the same plant and hemp is fit enough just to be regulated by the department of ag but and they we're gonna have to have this whole new cannabis commission (laughs) yeah they figured out hemp which arguably at least for a while probably had higher demand you know there was that whole bubble with the federal farm bill i'm sure everybody like mm-hmm. for a while was just yeah give me hemp give me a hemp license and they figured that out they figured out how to work with that you know made it so well, it's funny too because <laughs> aren't there like numerous people who in this state are growing like thca flour that abides by the farm bill that is like technically hemp supposedly uh that yes. no i mean we know they are there's right. like many there's like a bunch of companies doing it and i know there's like i've heard of head shops that just sure. openly are selling thca flour which you know that is a from my understanding that is a valid loophole mm-hmm. at yeah. least they're they're allowing it to stand that way in illinois um but it's funny too because you look at a lot of like you'll see like testing at dispensaries and like a lot of that flower would abide by the farm bill too <laughs> right and that's where i'm like that's where i that's when i said it supposedly it's not like i was like doing the the whole allegedly we allegedly did that no i like i just didn't really understand like i've seen dispense seen places like you say head shops doing that they oftentimes feel like dispensaries um but i don't i just have never known how they're getting away with that yeah how they do that I don't get it totally. Well, I think it is just that farm bill loophole. The same thing with like Delta eight. Oh, like so it's, it's not, THCA. It's not Delta nine. It's gotcha. not Delta nine THC. It's Delta okay. nine THCA. Yeah. Took me a second there. Interesting. Hm. And as long as it's under like 3% or whatever, because that's how like, um, what's that company like Shitiva? Is that what they're called? Yeah. 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 That's, like how they that's what they're doing mm-hmm. you know and i've heard of other companies doing that too it's funny that that didn't just become everyone's just like fuck this licensing thing we're just gonna <laughs> right. do, we're just gonna sell thca flour yeah makes you wonder like why not you know but um well really quick just to wrap up this particular topic um folks if you want to submit a light a witness slip um, we'll put the link for this House Executive Committee hearing in the podcast description. And basically what you do is just pasting that link in there now, because if I get high, I forget. Um, you look at each bill, right? And then you can click create witness slip. 
this is a good thing to know folks um and then you just fill out the form i mean uh the bit the most important thing is that you uh fill out if you're a proponent or op- opponent or i mean yeah if you don't have a position based on some merit you know you can make a statement um you can also select to um give oral testimony it looks like or you can just record a record of uh appearance so if you'd like to have like i i feel like i watched something with um like don't be too expansive in your writing because i feel like i watched something with kelly cassidy once where she was explaining how they see these Mm -hmm. have you do you ever hear her talk about that no please please it's like during it's like during the process when they're like working on the law i don't know at what point at some point they're they like present the witness slips and it's like okay this many were in favor this many were against and that's pretty much like the extent of (laughs) to my understanding gotcha so it's good it's good to know and good to do but you know Mm -hmm. don't spend too long working on your opinion thinking anyone's reading it yeah yeah and if you have real thoughts and you have the time i encourage you to go there and give the oral testimony you know um since you could do that yeah yeah, if, if you can do that. Um, uh, but yeah, so wanted to share that that's coming up and, you know, that's a way for you to signal some sort of support for or against several different things that we tr- we've tried to talk about, including the Cure Act um, and several different Illinois cannabis bills. Um, and like Phil said, just keep in mind that, uh, you know, it sounds like they only show for or against. And also keep in mind, folks, I'm going to share this again. The agenda, it's not like they're just getting together to talk pot, okay? We're not in a circle singing kumbaya. There's aging tech, which is probably agricultural tech, um, animals tech, business tech, 10 motherfucking pages, 1,369 entries, a whole bunch of shit. So I'm just saying. Uh, Also, contacting uh, contacting their offices or trying to somehow you know, talk to them in person even is always still the best way to get your voice heard, I would think. Absolutely. And it's like very simple to do, folks. You can just literally Google your representative's name and contact them. And they have people that will uh, field your inquiry. So um, my representative sometimes just answers the phone if I call them at the right time of day. So it's very interesting. (laughs) Um, but, uh, what, what else? Okay. So, so there's that, uh, we'll throw different links. Uh, I'll try to throw as many links that we referenced during that conversation in the podcast description. Um, really quick. What else did I have on the docket here? I know we, so we talked about the new committee. We talked about the fact that most of them have received industry money. So it makes sense that all they're going to be talking about is industry centered proposals, um, we talked about the hearings. Um, hey, just want to remind folks that you can leave us a voicemail. You can send us a text and we can play it on the show. Or if you're just tipping us off to a very interesting news story or just a news story, it doesn't have to be very interesting. Um, you know, we can honor anonymity. So the number is 312-772-6844. Once again, you can submit tips tricks <laughs> whatever um you can leave us a voicemail once again it's 312-772-6844 i've actually got one voicemail to play um here in a moment but i before we do that 
Was there any other news that you've recently seen that uh, caught your eye before we close to tonight? There's always cannabis news. What's some things that have made you go? What? Let me see what I shared cannabis news wise lately. Sure. Yeah. Um, I guess a quick, uh, <laughs> a quick congratulations to Illinois News Joint for win- winning the uh, Bud Tender Influencer of the Year thing. I bring that up because we were nominated thanks to the Bud Tenders, I guess, that nominated us. Um, we we really appreciate that, and congratulations to Illinois News Joint. Um, we ultimately backed out, but uh, <laughs> I appreciate if if there are any bud tenders that are listening, and there must be because, according to the person that organized this, bud tenders had to have nominated us. So, thank you, uh, and and bud tenders, do what you can to spread the good word uh about shit like this that we're talking about so that your jobs are easier and you have more options right <laughs> it's like a few shops in town you could have a lot you could have way more options than that so any you find anything that uh i don't think i did see anything <laughs> <laughs> well just that, um, just that medmen's looking to get out of illinois Medman is looking to get out of Illinois. I, I forgot they were. Still I was like going to say I didn't even. I didn't even know. <laughs> you know what's funny? It, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm going out on a limb here. Um, they were really like roasted by by South Park back in the day for opposing home grow. Am I wrong? I think I remember that. Let me go. Um, there, it's funny because. In from my memory, they really like started that whole um, dispensary as Apple Store concept type of thing, like product display cases and ordering off an iPad. At least that's like from my memory, that was like MedMen was really like pushing that type of thing back when they started. It's like their innovative approach to things. So it's just funny to me how many people, how many of these companies like copied that model and the originators of it are just failing completely (laughs) yeah so this is a a three-year-old article i was remembering correctly um south park did take a hit (laughs) haha pun intended oh yeah it was the the, integrity farms episode yeah yeah at the marijuana dispensary chain medmen in an episode that aired um on a wednesday three years ago um so the owner, Randy Marsh, investigates and finds that former customers are increasingly cultivating their own marijuana. When you grow your own pot, you're taking weed out of my children's mouths, he says. <laughs> what happened to our country? People are being wronged by a broken system, and we must say no more. No more homegrown marijuana. As the son of a proud American farmer, I am concerned about what homegrown can lead to. Somebody's going to take these comments that I'm making out of context. And they're going to be like, <laughs> this is like, isn't this literally what Cura Leaf said back in the day in New York? It is. Yeah. People can, People grow, can re- grow weed wrong and poison themselves. <laughs> this is almost literally what they said to me in a statement on Reddit or somebody who claimed to be them. Um People, yeah, people can grow weed wrong and poison themselves. Unscrupulous growers could use cheap irrigation and drown babies. 
The fact is simple. Marijuana must be grown with integrity. So it's a funny one. Anyways, uh, good stuff there. Good stuff. Well, why don't we close it out with uh, a voicemail from a listener? And once again, uh, you can do this. Or if you don't want your voicemail played, that's also an option. Make sure to mention that. Um, 312-772-6844 is the number. Uh, Here it is. Yes, I haven't been a medical marijuana patient for five years here in Illinois, and I've overcome six addictions. If it wasn't for God and the plant that he put on this earth, I I wouldn't be here. I'm 52 years old. I'm um, overcome. I've overcome six addictions, and I'm going back to school to get my bachelor's in horticulture and cannabis industry operation certificate at the end of in May, and hopefully go on to build a cannabis cultivation center. Um for women and to rebuild St. Clair County, Illinois. It's not Chicago, but if you ask me, St. Clair County, Illinois is the next worst thing in Chicago. And um, that's all. Thanks. Okay. I'm so glad I found your podcast. Thank you. Thank you for that message. Uh, it's really cool to hear that you've overcome addictions and that you're going back to school to get your bachelor's degree. Keep up the good work. I also saw that you left another message. I won't play it on air because you uh, had some personal information, but you mentioned wanting to help. Um, definitely let me know how what ideas you have. Um, always looking for some help. Uh, super busy, honestly, but you know if, if we can make it work, uh, we can make it work. So, um, cool. Well, Philip, thank you for joining me. I'm really yep. excited to, uh, see what happens with the future. Um, it's, uh, it's always interesting. There's definitely, um, never a lack of, th- you know, there's, there's always something to talk about. How about that? You mentioned that earlier. There's always something new to talk about. So. Well, and I think like this year, like, I don't think the Illinois and cannabis is going to be so stagnant as it's been the last like three years, you know, like, I think like society is opened back up. Licenses are out like money is tight. So it's hard for these people to get started, but like shit will get moving eventually. (laughs) It's just like, it can't be any slower than it's been the last three years. Like even legislatively, you know, it's like, what have they done? Like, one or two laws changing things mm-hmm. just kind of about releasing licenses and stuff like that. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, and to your like point, even if, even if this working group is like, you know, not like, you know, it's just pe- business people. They're all funded by the cannabis business association, you know, and they're working with the cannabis business association on policy. Like at least someone is working on policy. <laughs> yeah Yeah. you know more than just like the same three names you hear all the time Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah um and to your point about it being three years you know for folks that haven't seen those other episodes like it's been three years and what is it there's three dispensaries open and one craft grow operating is that correct well yeah and not even three not even three years it's been like 10 years of medical practically 
True. True. But I mean, so, with, with three years since the CRTA, which created these social equity licenses that every, yeah, you know, I, Illinois keeps saying they're so successful and they've got the most I diverse. That, I think there's like seven or eight dispensaries open now. Okay. Nice. Nice. I was actually interested. I, I thought it was funny because that grasshopper club, I think is what it's called, mm-hmm. opened in Logan Square here in Chicago. Um, and it's a black owned dispensary. And the guy like made it a point to be like, and we're not linked up with any of these MSOs or any of these like existing companies. Just like, you know, because obviously like, uh, what is it? Ivy Hall was like the first black owned dispensary, I think, to open. Uh-huh. So I just, it was just interesting because it kind of seemed like a very <laughs> like direct well, jab at that. Please explain that, Jeff, just for folks that haven't seen it. So well, I think Hall. just certain licensees have, t- have teamed up with existing operators or seem to have worked with or come from like a Cresco or something like that, you know? Yeah. So in the case so, of, Ivy so Hall, that grasshopper club is like independent, you know? Right. Right. And in the case of Ivy hall, is it, what one is it again? I can't remember. Well, I think didn't we find that like the guy was like in the ownership of one of the Cresco dispensaries or like owned a, like he I was a licensee at one point previously. Possibly. Man, I'm glad we're writing all this shit down because that like um, it was like Phoenix Farms or something like that. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to talk about it too much now because we're not certain on it, cert obviously. Sure, sure exactly. <laughs> let's let's not speculate too much. We'll have to return to it when we we'll, we'll definitely return has to it. Ties to an existing operator or an MSO. Right. You know, and, and like the there's other... a bunch of people who are like teamed up with dispensary 33. You know, there's like 20 of them or something like that. Mm-hmm. Then you've got the Green Rose with like ties to former law enforcement. And I believe Verano is that the Green Rose? Oh, I mean, yeah, you have. You have like OK Cannabis, which is owned by a former Chicago alderman and the COO for Chicago Public Schools. Yeah. And and by the way, just because we're on air and and I know that we didn't talk about this beforehand, so if you know if you don't want to, it's fine. But just if if you could, somebody has th- when we've talked about this before, somebody has said, "Hey, but this guy has done great things." The alderman you were just talking about. Um, can you t- just take on like they basically said like we were just pointing out that you know it's interesting that a politically politically. Well, I would just say now. This- well, I would just say now. You know, again, ownership stuff is confidential. So we're taking the owner of Grasshopper Club's, uh, you know, just taking him at his word that he's independently owned and doesn't have ties to these companies. But now Mm -hmm. that you have options, you know, you're still going to be buying products that are supplied by these companies, but go support that operator who doesn't have ties to these companies and is doing his own thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, and I just think too, like since the pool is so limited and Illinois just has such a history of corruption, I just think it's kind of, it's like a little distasteful in my eyes to be like a former Illinois politician who clearly has like connections getting these licenses and, you know, Right. And then you're going to like justify it, sure, by saying you hired people from certain areas or people that were arrested for cannabis. It's like, 
okay, great, but they can't, they're never going to be in ownership position because the pool is limited. And are you out there campaigning to increase the number of licenses? So these employees who have these cannabis arrests in their past, when they have experience, can go start their own? Right. I was just pulling up, um, you brought up transparency and how we're taking them at their word for it. You know, we talked about it in, in the episode and I won't, you know, since we've already talked about this, I won't go too far into it, but it's funny how it started with, well, the idea was to keep this not secret in the sense of lack of transparency, but to keep the process pure. Right. And then no, it they turned, also said it's for their safety. That's what I was going to say. Then it turned into their <laughs> safety and now it's just crickets. Um, and here's the thought that I think you could is... almost get those arguments like the safety one just with the Feds stories of all the robberies and stuff like that. Like, no, no. I mean, I think they they were saying it, too, about prosecution from like federal. Weren't right. They? Right. That's what but I was... also you could say it being like, oh, these people would be targets uh, for robbery or extortion or something because they work in all cash. But like, <laughs> I mean, I that law just isn't in any other state so like why why do we have that <laughs> well in a point that david lakeman a regulator made i believe on my show uh shaleen title a former regulator made on my show is that regulators often rely on the public for <laughs> inquiries like this and it's just like okay well why don't you help me help you and let's make this ownership thing you know, why don't we have uh, some disclosure here? And something that we'll talk about on the next episode is the fact that, and I mean, we talked about it on 232, but um, the concern, the concerns about lack of transparency came up before the passage of the law uh, that legalized cannabis, or as we say, legalized cannabis. Senator Heather Staines and Representative Kelly Cassidy vowed to make ownership data completely accessible. And that's a quote. Despite that pledge, their bill passed with a confidentiality provision that the Illinois Department of Financial and Professional Regulation recently cited, and that this is uh, from a May 3rd, 2020 article. So not recently, but you know, in 2020. Um, so it was recently cited in denying the Chicago Tribune's request for applications and ownership information about cannabis dispensaries. The, the, the state is applying similar secrecy to cultivation licenses. The Department of Ag responded to the Tribune's request for application and ownership information so heavily redacted that they yielded little information about who controls the business. The Tribune is fighting that ruling in an appeal to the Illinois Attorney General's office. I have no idea where this sits at this day but this is i've read this yeah, i've never before. heard the outcome of what that or if there was a resolution to that lawsuit i'll have to follow up with some folks that i know there and maybe we can maybe i don't know if they'll tell me you know but i can at least ask right <clears throat> the worst thing um, i can get is nothing um, i also wonder too like does that kind of law like exist in any other industry like are gambling licenses confidential so like casino licenses or whatever so here's the thing is a liquor license confidential <laughs> um so don craven 
an attorney from the Illinois Press Association, said enforcing secrecy invites trouble, right, which is kind of a no-brainer. Now, Pam Althoff countered that uh, – Oh, actually, this is interesting. She says, why shouldn't we know the names of those who are partaking of that opportunity? Oh, she says, people are very sensitive and not knowing what may occur if the information were available to anybody at a federal level. So that's all tough. Um, but to your point, um, sorry, I'm looking for it here. The lack what of a trans- weird, What a weird perspective for a law enforcement friendly former state senator to have. (laughs) Right. Um, To your point though, the lack of transparency means it's hard to determine whether questionable people are working their way into a state licensed business. The public needs to look no further than the gambling industry for examples of regulators falling short. In 2004, then-Attorney General Lisa Madigan blocked the gaming board from awarding a casino license to Rosemont. Now, there's also mention of, like, a fucking... Yeah, so I don't know, actually, the answer to your question, sorry. But his point, Don Craven from the Illinois Press Association, is like, this is just asking for trouble, and you need to look no further than the gambling industry. So, um, It's just kind of wild, like... It's a strange thing that like exists that no one talks about. And it's just interesting because when anyone does present themselves as an owner of a dispensary, it is kind of like, you want to be like, well, are there records I can see? (laughs) Right, right. Exactly. Yeah. Because like, really, like you don't know you, there's Mm -hmm. no way for you to independently verify who actually owns these things. Absolutely. It's, honestly pretty insane um it's more than pretty insane it's just absolutely insane um so that all that content that we just covered um i'll try to throw a link i'll throw a link for that in the podcast description but you can look forward to that being in the next half of the illinois cannabis history series which we started i mentioned it a few times it's episode 232 check it out um, it's a long one, but it's a good one. And it includes the first version of this document that I have here. Um, it's absolutely free to download, includes citations for everything that we talk about. And then, like I said, if you check out that episode, you can also learn how to trace the donations um, from some of these companies and uh, interest groups to your elected officials. So um, just want to say thanks again for spending your night with me uh philip or your evening and uh, yeah any any last thoughts before we go no no thoughts i'm just really stoned <laughs> well good deal i guess to put a cap on what we're saying just to wrap it back around you remember i was saying two former regulators were saying that you know they really need the public's health again i think it's like well maybe we should work to make this information transparent so that people like you and i Philip can nerd around and dig into it, you know? Well, I mean, they should be digging into it too. I just just imagine like, like if they did, you know, like if access was given and people could get those, right. I just imagine there would be like so many stories. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah, dude. Well, I mean, we've, how could they not found just what we found, (laughs) you know, there seems to be ties between all of the companies. There's like weird ties between a lot of these companies. (laughs) And like now there's a bunch more. Now there's like 
a lot more licenses out there. And I mean, who knows who's buying what and you know, it's, it's a, just wild. You know, it's a funny question. I just thought of, uh, well, I've been kind of thinking about the past few days, but I've been seeing people tweet certain state agencies and asking like, where do you stand on your cure relief investigation into the ownership ties? Right. And it's like, it's no wonder you've not heard a peep about that from Illinois. Cause good luck finding any of that fucking information. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, that's like, such a crazy story. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm not even going to pretend to totally understand that story, but it is pretty fucking crazy. Well, just that a lot of their like money came from like Russia through but the way they hit it is what I don't. And the <laughs> way it was ultimately exposed, it's so crazy because it was like talk for a while. And well, it's sudden, also funny, like, no, too, because real people like it is a crazy story, but also like, you know, New York real estate has a lot of Russian money invested in it. True. Like, so Curaleaf is no different than like whatever Park Avenue or whatever is a ritzy street in Manhattan, you know? Mm -hmm. It's another way to think about it. (laughs) That is a good point. And I've heard that there's a lot of like Saudi money in the United States, you know? So. There's a lot of all kinds of people's money in the true, United true. States. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's money just floating around anywhere but in our direction, right? That's how it feels. It is, it is funny, though, like when <laughs> you you pick up on a story like that, and it's like, oh, that's insane. And then if you think about it a little longer, it's like, well, but there's a lot of Russian money in like this and what, mm-hmm. like they were invested in like sports teams. And I think I saw like Saudi Arabia bought like a huge stake in was it disney or like some company WWE some like big american no. company i know they did wwe oh and then the golf thing saudi arabia well, and they're like they're like hugely invested in like esports or something like that i think i've heard yeah i don't know but that sounds about right <laughs> i don't know yeah it sounds like it, you know of course something that well, I don't want to say that eSports started in America. I would, America, I would did, doubt but... the Saudi money was in cannabis, though. <laughs> you think you do doubt that? No, I, I, I don't think the Saudi money would be found in cannabis. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe perhaps also like going out on a limb here, just Chinese money. Like, don't they kill people for smoking weed in China? Or am I wrong? I feel like some isn't there like a or it's like Singapore? Isn't or there like a? There's like a large like Chinese mob presence in the black market cannabis industry. I feel like. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's something I've heard or seen things about. Yeah. Uh. And yeah, I'm trying to think of maybe that was on trafficked with Mariana Van Zeller because that rings a bell. She talks about black. Possibly, market I cannabis. did watch that not long ago. Yeah, so she talks about black market cannabis and how it works its way into some of the legal cannabis industries, which you just recently pointed out a, a situation with what was it, Fuego in Michigan or something like that. I I think they might have like got their license pulled. Interesting. At least on at least like where they were producing whatever because they were like found to have unregulated cannabis like mixed in with their stuff yeah and i'm wondering like where that yeah well and you have to think like because that is such a crazy risk like because you could like lose your ability to operate in whatever state you're in um 
like with prices just getting so low over there, the market is so competitive. You just have to think like someone must be like pushed kind of to the edge to take that kind of risk unless they're like just greedy. But yeah. I mean, I don't know if you remember the the shop we've both been to. Maybe we don't have to – I don't want to get them to be known about the shop that like uh, talks shit about people, so we'll just be vague. But they were t- they were saying that, yeah, basically that's the case. What they've heard around the state is that like, yeah, people are basically – because price compression is so real, they're like figuring out ways to cut corners and, and it includes that, you know. Well, and that's when they got that new – regulator like that leads their mra and he was talking about like enforcement i never took that to mean like their gray market uh like gray market in the sense of like caregiver type Mm -hmm. stuff or events like that like i took it to mean like licensed operators who are cheating sure (laughs) yeah yeah i remember talking to you about that because i was worried that he was talking about caregivers but so far it seems that that's what they're focusing on. And if I recall when Mike Fouché asked him about caregivers, he he was like, he didn't indicate that that was an interest. It seemed like he more, like you said, it seemed more like he was talking about that, if I recall correctly. But Well, and they will like, like there is that guy, Michael Tui. I think you were on yeah. a thing with him at one point. Like yeah. he got hassled by cops recently so they are you know they'll still go after people who they you know want to say are operating outside the rules um people who might even be like caregivers if they have too many plants or whatnot but sure yeah well anyways we could we could do this all night man uh i'm gonna let you go um folks i hope you found value in this episode and uh philip i'm looking forward to returning to this i'm really proud of uh yeah what we're doing history here. of cannabis 1.5 i think it'll be two actually uh because we did 1.5 with marianne oh right we did <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it'll be so, two yeah so if you guys want to check it out there are technically two episodes out there's one and 1.5 i know episode one is episode uh 232 so if you want to hear the first version, the first episode of this, where we start all the way in 1978, believe it or not, um, we work all the way up to the first day of adult use sales. And so what's coming next and what we're working on now is going from the first day of adult use sales all the way up to today, which is it's pretty tough. I'm almost to, I think, 2021, 2022, maybe so. Yeah, I think I'm almost to 2021. So it takes a while and I've got 50 pages, you know, it's ridiculous. Well, it's probably those years, 2020, I mean, starting in 2019, there's just so many more stories. Yes. So many more things you can pull from. So, right. Grown in. They fucking. Yeah. They're amazing. A lot (laughs) of good, a lot of good articles on there. Yeah. Damn shame. It sounds like we won't be seeing anything else like that. I don't I don't see them too much, no. Haven't seen any updates. Yeah. Well, cool. All right. Well, folks, we'll see you next time. Take care.